You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtic Stuff Live. The only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. Don't forget to follow John and I on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. And if you have questions for the show, at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as following all of the CLNS Radio at CLNS Radio. John, welcome back. We're getting real close to the draft. I know we've got... Big plans for draft night, just to kind of put that out for everybody. We'll have one more show before our big draft night show, so all of the details, including guests, timing, etc., are going to come out on next Monday's show. However, I'm getting pretty pumped up. We've started to see some workouts coming through, and nobody better to have on the show than Jeff Goodman from ESPN to break down some of these who do we take at number three? I mean, know that the trade conversation was a big part of our last show. But, you know, there really isn't going to be any trades until draft night. So in the meantime, we have to plan, prepare, and discuss potential picks for number three. You know I've got my heart set on Jalen Brown. That's right. That's your guy. That's your guy right there. You, you know, Regardless of the shot chart. You, you made a spot for him in, in your Christmas card list already, and it's good. I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. I'm not there yet. I'm not there with yet with you on Jalen Brown. I still think that, you know, I think Chris is a guy to look at. I think Bender is a guy to look at. I'm not just saying it because they're high on the board. I just I think they're a better fit, and I, I think I'm Murray. I think that's probably my third guy now. Um, I just, you know, I, I think it's about shooting, and I'm and I'm not sure about the future on, on Jalen Brown on that. But I we'll get into No, that's you know. definitely a question mark. There's no that's, doubt. So yeah. what's your top three? In order, what is that's your it. top three? If I were going order, I would say it's Chris, probably Bender, and then Murray. All right. And I'm Brown, and then Murray, and then Chris. I think yeah. that's what I... I don't know. I've been flip-flopping Murray and Chris. I think yeah. it's Chris and then Murray. I think it's still... No, I definitely am Brown, Chris, and then Murray. But Chris made kind of a leap. It's really interesting how far up the board, because yeah. really, for top three consideration, he wasn't there. But then Draft Express goes and makes us all think twice. 
Well, that's it. And, and you know what's interesting? And, and I think I've been, I've been kind of running this through in my head. Okay, you know, put your tinfoil hat on. I mean, I'm thinking they're waiting until the finals are done before they come out with one more. Uh, you know, they, usually they'll explain the reasonings why players, certain players are in certain places. But we've gone almost two weeks here now with, Mar- with Marquis Chris in that third spot without any sort of explanation whatsoever. And you, you got to think there's, it's not a mistake. Um, you know, there's seem to be murmurings that they like him. We like this guy. We like this guy here. It's just interesting to see that go down that way. I'm not sure what it means. I'm not sure if it's a smoke signal and they're trying to, to get uh, the, the, uh, the other teams to understand. The one thing I would say, I think the Celtics have been more transparent and maybe or maybe not transparent in this draft process than I can ever remember them being. I cannot remember them, you know, two weeks before the draft talking about Murray having set the the record, the Celtics record for threes made. Well, did you know that's the threes made record for this year? (laughs) Did you know that? Right. Nobody knows that. I mean, you and I were talking about but. They made it sound like it was like, oh, it's this long-standing deal. It lasted like three weeks or two weeks. I mean, this is yeah. They just started having people in. It's like right. it was an overhype. Now, listen, he is a great shooter, sure, and that's why I do that on right? the pick. You've got to gamble on the pick. That's why I like Brown. That's why I like Chris. I think they're big swings of the bat. Yep. Really in that mold, I should be more in favor of Bender than I am. But I just, I don't know why I can't get on the Bender train. Maybe it's because, and I'm no, you watch more college basketball. You're more prepared for the draft. I'm not trying to act like I'm an expert. That's exactly why we're bringing Jeff Goodman on. I just, hey, look, I get to have my opinion. And maybe I'm not, a, you know, a basketball IQ scouting coming in expert, but I know that for sure Brown and Chris are big swings of the bat. Lots of athleticism, lots of reasons to think that they could be great in this league, but they could they could be Gerald Green for all I know. That's certainly a possibility. Shooting is a premium. I also like the younger guys. Another reason why Bender should be on my board, but he's not. Murray is a shooter, but then there's questions about defense and athleticism, and I think that's one of the questions I've got to ask Jeff Goodman. But he's still a swing of the bat because he's young, and he can shoot, and that's a skill that I think with everybody watching Golden State is a skill that everybody is placing a premium on at this point. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. I, You know, I think... One thing that, that Jeff does a really good job, Joe, Jeff has a really good handle on Kentucky. He's got a great handle on Ben Simmons. Uh, he does a lot covering the Duke guys. So, you know, we're going to have the top of this draft. There's very few people who know not just the college game, but the people who surround the college game. He knows these guys, the, the, the AAU coaches. I mean, he knows that stuff in and out. And, um, you know, certainly I've, I've had my battles with Jeff on, on the Rondo question uh, going back years. Uh, he was very much not a supporter of Rajon Rondo and, and made that pretty clear. But that's, you know, that's <laughs> – I think that the, aside from that – Jeff, there's very few people you can talk to that know more, uh, and uh, I may disagree with him on Rondo, but he's he is a, a well sourced uh, and a really good uh, reporter uh, on the college game, and 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 a local guy too. So uh, we love to support the local guys here, uh, and uh, 
glad to have him. And and I think that this is what an exciting time right now, right? What an exciting time! All this going on, the NBA Finals wrapping up, and we've got the draft literally like ten days away now. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, and we definitely do have to talk about the finals because I think it's bogus that Draymond Green's getting suspended. <laughs> we'll get to that. Everybody, make sure you can follow. Celtic Stuff Live on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Celtic Stuff Live, as well as facebook.com backslash CLNS fans for all of the CLNS radio network. We've got an app as well for iOS and Android, so simply search CLNS radio in your app marketplace, and there's the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash CLNS radio with high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the Garden Report with Jared Weiss, who's done an awesome job, and there will be a draft night Garden Report as well with Jared. So everybody be looking for that. And real quick, a shout-out to our sponsor, Loot Crate, which is a monthly subscription box service for geeks, nerds, comic book lovers, and pop culture aficionados. For just less than $20 a month, subscribers receive a mystery box containing at least $45 worth of collectibles, figurines, apparel, and memorabilia. June's theme... We'll be exploring some of the ways things can go wrong with Dystopia, featuring classics like RoboCop, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and The Matrix, along with some new favorites, Bioshock Infinite and Fallout 4. So they've got a figure, cool collectible, cool collectibles, and a dystoporific monthly tee. Head to LootCrate.com backslash CLNS Radio, enter the promo code CLNS, that'll save you $3 on any new subscription. Joining us now, Jeff Goodman from ESPN. Jeff, we're getting real close to the draft. I really think nobody better than yourself to join John and I and really break this down. And as as we'll talk, I know you mentioned just before we came on, Danny's a hard one to figure out, but John and I aren't exactly on the same page with who we think the Celtics should take at number three if they do keep the pick. Uh, so we're excited to bring in your expert opinion to uh, either help fuel our debate and fire or uh, maybe settle some settle some, some of that debate. But All right, who wants, wait, wait, who wants Bender? One of you wants Bender, I guarantee it. Not me. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> I gotta be honest. He's not my top pick. He's not. We were, we were just before you okay. came on. Jeff, we were talking about who's our who's our top three for the top three. And of course, we're yep. taking Simmons and Ingram out of the mix just because we sure. think they'll be gone there. They're gone. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I said I'm I'm going I'm going with the the, the raw freak of a kid in Chris. Yep. Then I'm going Bender, and then I'm going Murray. What do you think? Am I? Am I? Well, is there egg let me throw. Here? Let me throw mine in. Yeah, exactly. Mix. I want to hear both. And, yeah. then, and then Jeff could crush us. Both. Exactly. So, <laughs> mine is Brown, then Chris, and then Murray. And I don't have. I don't have Ben. I'm a, Bender makes me nervous. I don't know why. You know, I'm not the expert. You are, but he makes me nervous. You know, listen. He's the one guy I don't have a great feel for, just because I haven't seen him live. So, you know, you watch him on tape, and certainly. Uh, he's skilled, he's long, uh, and with Porzingis' success this year, kind of makes it more of the hip pick, right? Uh, so I, I think somebody, I'm not sure it's going to be Danny, but I think somebody will take him uh, higher than than maybe he would have gone uh, a year or two ago because, again, uh, right now international guys are probably more, uh, more kind of hip because of Porzingis. Uh, I like the Chris Dunn pick first. You know, to me, I wouldn't go Jalen Brown number one. 
just because he can't shoot the ball. You know, he's not a great shooter. Sure, he fits what they need in terms of a big, strong wing. You know, who can come in right away, and he's he's tough. And there are a couple things that worry me about Jalen Brown. One, that he doesn't shoot the ball that well. Two, that I'm not sure he loves basketball. He's got a lot of other interests. Um, I don't think he, he's going to eat, sleep, and breathe basketball. And I'm not sure about that uh, because, again, he, he's a very, very bright, uh, different type of kid, very unique. So that kind of scares me a little bit because you want somebody that's all about basketball, right? That's gonna Does just... he reminds you of Rondo in a way? Like the and and, and the personality. I've never. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Um. A little bit. I mean, there there are a couple similarities just because neither really love media attention and neither ever you know they they never did. Uh, they're both pretty smart and kind of loners. So there are some yes, there there are certainly some uh, similarities there. I'm not sure that Jalen thinks he's the smartest one in the room every time, like Rondo did. That's the one thing that I, I just don't think that's the case, but I don't know it for sure. I don't know Jalen that well. I've probably interviewed him a half dozen times. I've seen him play probably you know 30 or 40 times uh, in person over the last few years. He played bully ball too. You know, he, he's a guy that because he's so big and strong uh, and advanced physically in AAU ball, he used to just kind of be able to bully his way through. Last year at Cal, if you watch him, especially at the end of the year, not able to do it as much. He needs to work in his decision-making. I compare him a little bit to Stanley Johnson, the rookie with the Pistons this past year. But Stanley shot it well, much better than I thought. I don't think Jalen's going to be able to do that. So I wouldn't have, I'd have Jalen probably closer to fifth than first on my rankings if I was going to go one through five because I think there's probably five, maybe six if you put Marquise Chris in the equation uh, that are going to be in the mix if they keep the, the, the number three spot. I, I like Chris Dunn. But, but let me give it the caveat. I, I like Chris Dunn if they can move Marcus Smart before they draft Chris Dunn. Because I don't think you can play those guys together that well. I think, you know, Marcus Smart then becomes your first guard off the bench, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of what he should be. Um, I, I just think then you have too many guys that really point guards or guards that aren't great shooters uh, with Chris with Marcus Smart, with Terry Rozier, maybe a move Rozier, but I don't think he's got any value. So it would be, be better to move Marcus Smart if he could. Uh, and I think, again, Chris Dunn, they're different defensively, but Chris Dunn is terrific defensively, plays the passing lanes really well. He's much quicker, more, um, more explosive than Marcus Smart. He's also a point guard. Marcus Smart's really not a point guard. It, let me ask you, Jeff, I mean, because I think – like I mean, you probably can tell from the list of players that we're making up, yeah. we're, we're yep. doing it by by need, which of course you're never supposed to do. <laughs> you're right. doing the right, right. thing, and Danny is, won't. Right, yeah. Danny that's, won't do it by need. That's, that's how we have like 18 guards in the roster right now. It's <laughs> exactly yeah. that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> that's player guards okay. and four men. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think you're right. It seems to make. I mean, we shouldn't be looking at that, um, and and that's probably part of the reason why. Probably Chris Dunn has gotten a bit of a short short shift with yes. a lot of Celtics fans looking at this is because they're saying, well, he's another point guard who can't shoot. He's got all these great things about him. We all saw him at, at, at PC and, and doing great down there for the Friars. But, you know, we need this. Um, do you think that 
though, that maybe we're um, it's more likely that maybe a player on the roster gets moved, or do you think it's just he's how? I guess what I'm saying is how big of a gap do you think there is from Chris Dunn to maybe four, five, six? I mean, how how much? How much? No, it's not a huge gap. No, it's absolutely not a huge gap. I just like Chris. Again, he's a new age point guard. If, if you look at it and say, who's the guy who's got a chance to be top five in his position in five years in, in the NBA? I would say Chris Dunn is the most likely to be a, a top five point guard in the league because, again, his, his speed, his athleticism, his ability to defend, his ability to pass and make people better. The only thing he doesn't do well is shoot the ball, and that's an area that usually the NBA people feel like with work that's that you've got a chance to improve that more than anything else. Yeah, you know, I talked to people recently who who even said, you know, like, okay, can you really improve your handle? You know, it's hard to. Yeah, you can get a little bit better, but you can't you can't go from a a guy with a poor handle to a really good handle. Uh, you know, can you can you improve your defense? Well, yeah, but you know, Chris Dunn's already got it. Uh, you know, Buddy Heald, the big question mark with Buddy Heald and Jamal Murray is defensively right. So. You know, you could pair one of those guys with Avery in the backcourt, but do you want to pair one of those guys with Isaiah in the backcourt? Hell no. Like, that's that's the worry. Now, Buddy Heald was much better early in his career than he was this past year at Oklahoma defensively because he had to expend so much energy in the offensive end. So I think he's got a chance to be a better defensive player than Murray, who it was funny when, when Murray was in last week in Boston. I was kind of joking at the end. He made a comment. You know, if I had come back or something like that, I don't remember what it was pertaining to, but they've got, Kentucky's got a player coming in this coming season, a point guard named De'Aaron Fox, who's like John Wall. I mean, super athletic, super fast and explosive. And I said, well, you know, then you would have had to try to, you know, you know, guard De'Aaron Fox. And he gave me a look, like one of those looks where you're looking through somebody. He was so upset that I said it. And he was like, well, I guarded, I guarded Tyler Euless this past year. And I'm like, yeah, Tyler Ulysses is still 5'8". You know, like, he's not super athletic. And you couldn't guard him, by the way. You couldn't guard Tyler Ulysses. You can't guard me. So uh, that's the, the the real worry I have with Jamal Murray is can he guard anybody? He can really score. And I think he's, he's better uh, in terms of his court vision and ability to make people better than he displayed this past year when he had to play the two because Kentucky had Tyler Ulysses with the ball in his hands, and they needed Murray to score. Do you look at Murray as sort of high-end payout as like a J.J. Redick? Is that how you view him as sort of his he role won't be on the, the pure, team? Yeah, I don't think he'll be the pure shooter that, that Redick is, but I think he can do a little bit more off the bounce than Redick could, especially early in his career. Redick was more one-dimensional as an NBA guy early in his career. He's just a, a catch-and-shoot guy. Murray will be able to get by some guys. He's more he's more athletic than people think. So I think Murray will be a very, very good player in this league. Uh, I think Buddy Hill will be a very, very good player in this league, too. I, I think all these guys have been shortchanged in a sense that, yeah, I don't know if – I do know. Like, I'd be shocked if any of them were franchise players, Okay. But I think they could all, at the end of the day, you could look up and say, hey, they're a good number three guy, maybe even a number two guy for an NBA team. But I think all these guys I could see being good number three guys in time in the NBA. Hmm. Well, that's, that's interesting. Which you take, right? I mean, if Absolutely. I told you right now, you, you'd get a number three guy out of this pick, and 
you know, the problem is they really don't have, in my opinion, I know this will kind of stir some controversy, but Isaiah Thomas to me is a great number four guy on your team. I mean, I know he was a one this year, and he went to the uh, the All-Star game and took him to the playoffs and the promised land and all this, but you can't win deep into the playoffs to me with Isaiah Thomas being your one, two, maybe your three, depending on who your one and two are. I, I know my guess is many people, including you guys, will disagree with me on that, and you watched him more than I did this past year, but I've watched Isaiah Thomas since he was 14 years old, and uh, and maybe that's my problem is – uh, I've already got it in my head what Isaiah Thomas is. But I, I don't think he's good defensively. I think he's a guy that fit what they needed this past year perfectly. But I don't think that's what you want him to be for a team that you expect or you're hoping is going to go deep into the playoffs. Yeah. I, no, I actually, I think you're, I think that's, I mean, I don't know, three, four, but I think you're right. Certainly not a top one or two guy. I, I don't, I think no, you're right can't about be. that. I mean, yeah. I mean, certainly the league's changed, and you can get by with smaller. And I mean, we've seen, you know, obviously this year, I mean, ten, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, a guy his size could do what he's doing right now. I don't think. Yep. Um, I mean, Iverson was obviously a different breed of human. Yeah. Think, right. Yes. But but yes. what he's done now, I mean, this is it, it's 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 part of this change. It's it's rules. It's it's this pace and space. It allows yep. a five something guard doing those things but you couldn't have done that then and, and no that, no that's okay you know i think for like you said for what he is now it's great but you're gonna if we're still talking about you know Ainge's ideal world he's getting two max contract guys right you know, right which i don't think happens but if he does well he's already third right there right so you know you're not i don't think you're that far off at all jeff um I just think if you can get a three guy in this draft, okay, let's say you can get a three guy in this draft and you somehow sign a two, a number two guy in your team. I don't know if you're going to get it out of this free agent group. You know, you may get another three if you're lucky. Uh, And then next year, the Nets pick has to be a number one. I mean, that's the key. The key is can next year's Nets pick be – the number one pick in the draft, and can it be somebody like Harry Giles if he comes back from the knee injury who is absolutely sensational if he's healthy? Uh, he'll play at Duke this year coming off a second knee injury in the past uh, three years. But uh, this draft next year is is high-powered, loaded at the top. Uh, there's going to be a lot more. So they could get a franchise player, I think, out of next year's draft a whole lot easier than they'll get it out of this year's. Yeah, I always thought that next year's pick, and maybe even the year after that, depending on who comes out next year, yep. were the two more valuable picks. And and I agree with that take 100%. I guess a question I'd have for you, so now we're talking about the Celtics bringing in maybe their number two guy in free agency. A lot of talk about somebody like Nicholas Batum. Is that somebody you put at a number two, or is he really no. still in that number three mold? So why would they offer the max? Tons of people are in favor of throwing the, uh, a max contract at Nicholas Batum. Don't you have to throw a max contract at a top two, or are we just looking at the landscape changing so substantially because of the TV deal that now we're going to throw max money at a number three? Yeah, but then you handcuff yourself. So, you know, is, is Batum that much better than what you already have? You know, everybody's looking at it as, all right, can we get there quicker, right? I mean, can, can we just get our team better immediately? And certainly Batum gives you something that, that maybe you don't have, gives you something that's a little bit more proven as well. Um, you know, it's not like he's a knockdown shooter, by the way. He's a good shooter, but he's not a, 
you know, J.J. Uh, Reddick by any means. Um, so are you going to pay him or Harrison Barnes, let's say? Harrison Barnes is the one that I think is really intriguing. Uh, just because I, I do think somebody's going to pay him, maybe not max, but close to it, probably max. Somebody will pay him max. Um, so, you know, do you, if you're the Celtics, do you take a shot on that, knowing that he could be, right, he could be a number three guy, and you're going to pay him 20-something million dollars a year to be a number three guy? Or do you just say to yourself, listen, we're going to save our money until we can maybe hit it uh, with somebody, uh, and kind of go with what we have and add some young pieces these next couple of years. You know, I, it's a tough situation Danny's in because you definitely don't want to overpay and handcuff yourself for the future, but you also feel like, hey, do you, do you roll the dice on a kid like Harrison Barnes? I, I wouldn't and pay that much money, but if you're him, do you say, hey, maybe here he could turn himself into a number two guy and we'll hit, we'll hit it in the draft a year from now? We'll get our number three guy this year in the draft, and then then we're in business in a few years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's the <laughs> but like you said, it's a tough it's a tough thing because rolling that money at, at Harrison Barnes and you and you've certainly I'm sure you've covered Harrison for many many oh, forever. years. Forever, you know, forever. he came he came out. He was people thought he was. I, mean, I guess the summer before. When the mocks were, you know, and I don't know what that really yeah. matters, but he was certainly as he entered Carolina, he was thought of as you know highly regarded number one guy. He's going to come in, he's going to be just a monster. Yep. But he showed, and this is he's my recollection, was that he was not like the you know jump on my back guys. I'm the number one no. guy at Carolina, and that I think he's really shown even in obviously in Golden State and who would be next to Steph and Clay. He he isn't that type of guy, and is that is that to me is more troubling about giving him the money than than maybe the fact that he hasn't shown it yet at, at Golden State. It's going back to Carolina. This is this has been a trend here, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and he expects to, you know he expected to go out after one year. He expected to be the number one pick. It didn't work out for him at Carolina. He struggled uh, there a little bit, and and in Golden State he's been a really good piece. And maybe you know maybe he's okay with that. I've known Harrison a long time. I think he'd like to be more than that, especially if he comes off winning two straight NBA titles. Maybe he says to himself, hey, you know what? I've already done that. I've done that twice. Now it's time for me to see, you know, maybe I can be more in this league, and, and i got a lot of people that are going to come after me. You know, the, the question there is going to be, is Golden State going to match what anybody puts out there for him? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because that's, <laughs> I, yeah, that's a huge gamble. Right? You look at that and their salary cap situation. Of course, they're not paying Curry now, but they're going to have to max him out at, yep. at the super max rate. I mean, they're going to have a huge payroll. They're paying Max money to Draymond. They've got a good contract yep. to Clay, who will still be underpaid in the relative to the new cap. But you're going to max out. Yeah, I, that that boy. That's that's a tough tough question. Um, but it sounds yep. like Golden State is totally willing that if Harrison Barnes says, "Look." I want to go try to be a number two. And why wouldn't they? If they're going to attract free agents and they're going to keep people happy, they've got to allow players with the ability to go and maximize their contract and their opportunity somewhere else. They're going to have to promote that. They can't hold a guy down, so to speak. That was That's a very wise thing for them to support that, not to mention they can just keep bringing pieces in because you know they're going to get a good People want to play for them. them. Yeah, people want to play for them. So they'll get another free agent. It may not be Harrison Barnes, but it'll be somebody like him. You know, it'll be the chemistry that's 
you know, that's kind of the, the big thing is, you know, who do you bring in? Are they okay with Draymond and how he operates right now and how his mouth operates? Um, and, and Steph and Claire, I mean, Steph's a joke to play with. I mean, anybody, anybody who ever has a problem with Steph, uh, it, boy, I mean, I've never heard a bad word about him ever. Yeah. No, he's almost the golden child now for sure. In a lot yeah. of positive ways. In a lot be. of positive positive yeah. ways. So let me ask you this though. Uh, we were going to save this and John and I were going to talk about it after the interview. But Draymond Green, does he deserve to get suspended? I didn't think so. You know, I would have again, to me I'm with you. I think it's it's one of those where really game 5 of the NBA finals Really, you're going to hit him with that? I, I know you shouldn't be looking at it that way of, you know, it should be done, you know, like a call is made in the first quarter, same should be in the in the fourth quarter. So you'd say, you know, well, if it's – don't look at it as if it's game five of the NBA finals. Just look at it as a, if it's a regular game. But, but you can't. You can't. And, and I, I just don't think – uh, I don't think what he did really warranted it that much. I, I, you know, I've watched it a couple times. I just – I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it. I thought that was – I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but to me, in in the moment, to your point about its playoffs, I don't think it was so egregious that it deserved right. a suspension from a game. And almost there's a manufacturing of suspense here in a way because yep. – yep. And it needs exactly it. it. And it yeah. needs it because yeah. I, thought, I thought Cleveland would tie it up 2-2, two to two, and everybody said it that the Oklahoma City and Golden State series was the series. Now, that was 3-1, and we never – I don't think we really thought that – I mean, if any team could do it, it was Golden State, but I don't think anybody thought Golden State was necessarily going to take that series. I think we all thought it was OKC, Durant, LeBron, Westbrook. Yep. That yep. was you know, going to be the big showdown, and then it didn't happen. What a ton of suspense. I mean, just a great series. But everybody said that's basically the finals. What we just watched in the Western Conference Finals was the big yep. premier matchup. They, that's why they need to almost manufacture this. I'm not saying the league is, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't have the tinfoil hat on. I'm not saying, but there's no downside for the league to go ahead and do it, and they have enough material to say we can we justify can the suspension. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I would agree with that, and, and certainly you're right. I mean, it's something where where – you know, to me now that you get to game six and it's in Cleveland and everybody's what, – what's the, the talk then as well? Cleveland back home, they got momentum again. They win and it's a one-game series. You know, and, and, and every – I mean, listen, the league, the league would love game seven. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? You know, everybody's watching. Think of the excess money they make, uh, you know, through game seven. So – yeah, I'm not sure they did it for that reason, but I, I certainly, again, looking back on it, I just I'm surprised they did it. Yeah, well, it's, Justin brought up Durant. Uh, I gotta, we gotta go. I mean, I think there is yeah. the Celtics podcast in the world. I should be shamed. That is oh, Kevin Durant. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so Here we go. My point oh oh one chance that that Kevin Durant comes right. to Boston. It's the so you're saying there's a chance thing, you know. I'm saying there's a chance. Yes, I'm saying there's a chance. I'm not. I'm not going to completely discount it. Listen, here's the thing with Kevin Durant. Uh, I've known him a long time too. I don't. I don't. Purport, you know, claim I know him well now at all. Uh, what I will say is, is he's he's a little bit of a different kid. Uh, very very loyal. Uh, now, I think things have changed a little bit from what I've heard over the last couple of years that people have gotten into his head a little bit more. Uh, 
I still would be very, very surprised if he left Oklahoma City. Just would. I mean, I just feel like, again, he's got a connection to that city, to those fans. Um, you know, and it would be hard for him to walk this year, especially. I think maybe a year from now. Um, it, it, but they had a good year. They came darn close. He knows he's got as much there to win it all this year, unless he goes to Golden State. He's got as much in, in Oklahoma City as he will any other spot he goes, if not more. And, and again, Stephen Adams is only getting better. Uh, that was their first year under Billy Donovan. You know, so they were still picking up a system. It was Kevin Durant's you know, first year back from a major injury, and he was pretty healthy for the most part this year. So I just think, you know, if I'm looking at it from the outside, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he leaves Oklahoma City this year. Yeah, and my sense on the, on the complete outside, knowing him a whole lot less than you do, Jeff, is that the loyalty thing is is so important to him. And yeah, one thing we yeah. talked about last week on the show was the impact of Russell Westbrook on this decision. Westbrook being a free agent next year, along with Ibaka. How much of this do you think plays a part in what, what Russell's going to do? Because it seems that, you know, if Russell's going to leave in a year and Kevin knows that, does that have a bigger impact on what, what Kevin wants to do? Uh, well, he this, can do it next year, though. But he can true. wait and see next right. year. The one and one right? I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you just keep the team together and you're going to have the same opportunity a year from now. You see kind of what happens this year because you know, you're going to have another shot at least, you know, I, so I, I just, again, unless he really, you know, the only thing that's been interesting with him is, you know, the love affair he had with the media in Oklahoma city kind of turned a little bit a couple of years ago when he got hurt. And, and now he, he doesn't seem to trust Media overall. Now, will that matter at the end of the day? Uh, I don't know, but but I certainly think he, again his attitudes changed a little bit, uh, where he was kind of the golden child up until maybe a few years ago when he when he got hurt and uh, they didn't do as well in the postseason. Jeff, there's been a couple of articles out there that link Durant to two New York Knicks staffers, Brian Keefe and, and Joshua Longstaff. Do you um, do you know about Durant's relationship with those coaches? Has the media made you know more of that than is really there, or is Durant pretty close to those two individuals? I don't know. I mean, I know Keeps from around here. Uh, I know he was in Oklahoma City. Uh, I can't imagine he's going to go anywhere for a staffer. Uh, if he was going to do that, he'd probably go. Uh, I think the Wizards hired. They did. They hired David Atkins, who was his former assistant coach. Uh, at Montrose Christian in high school. They hired Atkins a couple of years ago. So I, I actually thought a couple of years ago, I really did think when they hired Atkins that there was a decent chance that Kevin Durant would go back to, to back home and play for D.C., especially with um, with with the fa- with the Wizards because of the fact of Beal and, and John Wall. I mean, uh, yeah, Beal and John Wall. And, uh, and, and again, loyalty and, and kind of like, you know, LeBron did with Cleveland going back, you know, can he win a title in his hometown? But, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like that's picked up much steam. So it doesn't, you know, again, I don't know the situation that well. I think a lot of people are going to, you know, try to figure this thing out. And and I'm not sure how many people Kevin Durant really talks to about this. So I I think there's going to be a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of guessing, um, but again, he's a pretty quiet, private person. 
you know, certainly his agent will, will know his mother, Wanda will definitely know. Um, but I don't think, I don't think he's got this huge circle. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but just to bring it back to the draft a little bit now, yeah. now we've done, we've, we've, we've thoroughly investigated that 0.1% chance. And, and, <laughs> and to be honest with you, I, I think there's a lot of poop. I think 0.1% chance is a good thing. The fact that Celtics are even have a 0.1% chance or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. It's whatever. They're in the mix. Yeah. Get a meeting, you know, get a meeting because it, it, it only helps. And I really think one of the reasons they're getting the meeting, if they get it, is going to be Brad Stevens. I mean, he's the biggest sales tool they have right now. Beautiful. That's that's great. Now, going back to the draft, we want to really just there's a couple of other things we want to we want to get through before we go through here. Um, going back to Marquise Chris. Yep. This is a kid that's played ball. I think five years. I think I read. I mean, not he's this he's new to the game yeah. generally. Yep. But he's. We were talking about. I, I look at the guy. I look at the video. I watched. I, I didn't watch a lot of. I can't stay up that late. Sure. Uh, I guess you know. <laughs> I, I got kids. I got to get to work. You can't stay up. Yep. Much, you know. It's Pac-12. hard. Pac twelve. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I look at him, and he, in terms of how he stands, he looks to me like Harrison Barnes. In terms of he's got that kind of upright nature to him that that Barnes has. I don't think that's necessarily the comparison, but stretch. He's know, bigger. He's he's bigger. He's much. He's longer. He's six ten instead of six. You know, seven and a half, six eight, like Harrison, and he's more athletic. You know, Harrison is athletic. He just doesn't use his athleticism very often. Yeah, this guy's. He seems like he's on a pogo stick. I mean, it really. Yeah, and he can shoot it. Yeah. How far away is he though? I mean, I think pretty far. Yeah, I, he, he's he's the high upside guy. It's funny. I, I sent a tweet out back in in November. Nobody had him on their top hundred. Like if you look at any of the mock drafts or even top hundred hundred lists, nobody had him on there. Uh, I saw him a couple of years ago in AAU ball, um, and I love his potential. So I remember I, I sent out a tweet in November saying something like, you know, whatever he had like twenty four points in his first game or second game or something like that, eighteen points. And I said, Marquise Chris, name to watch, uh, could be, you know, will be a first rounder at some point. Now, I didn't think he'd be a first rounder really this year, even, and certainly not a lottery pick. Nobody did. Um, but, you know, again, you look at the, the the high upside, the ceiling for a six ten guy who can shoot it like he can, and also um, is really athletic. Gr- really good kid, like you said, hasn't played a ton. Um, you know, he's probably like a higher – I compare my guest to like a high-character Markeith Morris, but more athletic, but that type of player maybe, you know, face-up four. Um, the, you know, the big question for him is, is, you know, again, the mental part of it and also the rebounding. He's not a great rebounder. For his size, he should be. For his athleticism and his size, he should be. So I think Marquise Chris at number three would be too high for me. You know, I just think there's there's guys in the mix there that you you, you know what you're going to get. And again, I I think a lot of people are just skimming over Buddy Heald. And I think he could be the guy at the end of the day. I really do. I think he could be the guy at number three. And nobody's got him in their mock drafts. And nobody knows because Danny, let's face it, Danny's very, very smart in what he does here leading up to the draft. He's He's going to tell everybody, you know, a, a different guy. 
Yeah, he's going he's gonna to leak a different name to everybody, so nobody knows who he wants, so that maybe he can encourage somebody to come forward with a, with a, a trade to get that guy. That's what he should be doing. I mean, he should be, you know, dropping a name to me and dropping a different name to Chad Ford and a different name to uh, Adrian Mojan, whatever. I mean, that's what I would do if I were him. That's how the game has to be played. If you play it and you're honest um, going into this, it probably hurts you more than it helps you. Is he uh, – do you think that – I mean, in terms of a trade – do you think that's the ultimate goal? I mean, you said he should be, but do you think that's sure. what he's really pushing is to get it to deal this third pick? Well, I mean, again, it depends on what there is. Sure, that's you, you want to look at that and see what you can get to help your team now. Okay, all these guys are, are guys that are probably going to take some time to develop, and you know, where if you can if you can bring on a guy now and trade that third pick for somebody that can help you that's already a couple of years along. I mean, even, you know, would you do the number three pick for Julio Okafor today, who's a year further on in his development? Certainly he's got some issues. We saw them this year mostly off the court and defensively. But would you trade that pick for, the, for Julio Okafor today? Yeah, I see, I would. I, I, but I, I'm souring on that now. I've said yes in the past, yeah. but I'm, I'm falling away on that deal now. Well, I listen. I for Noel, but... You 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 do it for Nerlens? Yeah, I think I would. Just because I, I I think Brad needs more space. If you look at how Jared Sullinger was utilized, and he even had to move inside the three point line, and we know that Brad wants to be jacking threes. That's yep. always been in his mix, and I just think Okafor doesn't quite fit how Brad would like to run it. See, here here's what I would do. Here's a trade I would do if I were the Celtics. I would do. Marcus Smart and number sixteen for New Orleans. I like that. I do like that. that. I do that today, and then you get your rim protector, your shot blocker, um, you know, guy who gives you something completely different than what you have. And you can it, draft Dunn, who we know you're high. There you on. go. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So you have Chris Dunn and New Orleans, two great defensive players who Brad will love, and you have your point guard of the future. You have a guy who makes your team better. Uh, and then you've got to sign. You've got to go out there and sign a wing who can shoot the ball, which shouldn't be. You know, again, I'm not saying it's easy, but it, it's a whole lot easier to find that than than again, a, you know, a high high level point guard or you know a, a shot blocker. Of I mean, I, I still say Nerlens is as good a shot blocker as I've probably I've ever seen. Now again, you know, I didn't see some of those guys back in the day. Um, you know, Bill Russell and, and some of those guys. But but to me, you know, Nerlens is good a point as good of a shot blocker as there is in the NBA today. Well, then you can go out and get a Batum, to your point. Yeah. And you could even play Crowder at the four, right? There's no reason Crowder can't move to the four for this team. No reason. Absolutely not. I mean he's certainly tough enough to guard fours. Um and you keep your toughness. I mean you keep your toughness because again Chris Dunn, yeah, he can't guard guys like Smart can. He can't guard, you know, big threes like Mark. He can't can box guard. out Porzingis. Right. No, no. <laughs> he's he not going to have that move he's a in, different, in the late stages of the game. Right? He's a different type of defender. Again, he gets in passing lanes. He's got quick hands. He's so, you know, so fast and explosive uh, from baseline to baseline. 
So I, 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 that's what I would do. I mean, like, that would be my, my thought is if you could trade Smart in the 16th for New Orleans, draft Chris Dunn, and then get Chris Dunn to be able to shoot the ball better, that would help. But, you know, again, we, we underrate, including myself, you know, listen, Avery Bradley has become a good shooter. Right. You know, we forget that. Like, Avery's become a good shooter. Okay, Isaiah can make enough shots. They need to add one more guy that maybe comes in with a second unit that can really, really make shots. That's a, you know, a knockdown. And that's why I like Buddy Heal for him. So I think Buddy is the second best shooter in this draft. The best shooter in the draft isn't somebody you're going to take, but it's Kyle Wilcher or Gonzaga. He's the best so pure is shooter. Your, is your top, like John and I rattled off our top yeah. three to set the stage for the interview. Yeah. Do you go done, healed, and then yeah. player number three? Who's player number three? I go done, healed. I, I don't know what to do with Bender. I, I'll admit, like I just don't. I haven't seen him enough, so I can't. I can't say. I would go done, healed, and then honestly, to me, I'm not sure between Bender, Brown, and Murray. Uh, I'd probably go Bender three, Brown four, Murray five. Yeah, I know Murray made 79 of 100 threes. That's great and all, but like. That's got everybody excited about him going to the Celtics. Now he can shoot. He can shoot. He's he's a good. He's a very good player. Let's you know. Let's not get carried away here because he made seventy nine of one hundred threes, and in one drill. Yeah. Bill Wilcher, no doubt. That was Wilcher with nobody guarding him. By the way, nobody guarded <laughs> better, him. Better than a chair. Better nope. than a chair. There wasn't even a chair in front of him. <laughs> the chair didn't even guard him. <laughs> All right, so let's let's do this. I like your I like your move, smart and sixteen. I think that's value for give him twenty three too. You want twenty three? Take twenty three. Yep. <laughs> but let's say we keep sixteen and twenty three. It also solves a problem for Philly, but I think they'd rather keep Nerlens. But that's you know we'll we'll just kind of stay in. I don't know. Here. I'm not sure they'd rather keep Nerlens than Okafor. That's kind of the word out there. But if I'm them, I'd rather keep Jaleel. He's got more value. Definitely got more value. I don't care. Yeah, Listen, that's NBA true. teams don't care about the off-the-court stuff. You know, and, and, and Julio's not a bad kid by any means. No, there's just not a lot of guidance and leadership. I mean, that right. organization has been a mess. Yes. So you can't expect him to thrive in a messy environment as a young kid with millions of dollars. I just think we're being yep. unreasonable to expect these kids to come in like pros with one year under their belts in college. It's ridiculous. And yep. really, there should be a program for learning how to be a pro in college, right? It should be a one-year kind of course, that's something that they should offer. Because if they are going to have these one-and-dones, what a great way to help people prepare for, oh, my God, yep. I'm 19 and I have a buttload of money. But yep. Uh, or boatload, uh, both. but or I do want to both right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That'll go into the archives. Uh, so, but let's say they keep because we've only got a little bit of time left. Let's yep. say they keep sixteen and twenty three. John and I have some value picks in our minds, but what okay. do you think are some value picks at those two spots? for the Celtics that they might consider that might also be available, like realistically going to be around. Obviously, I mean, if something hope, yeah. happens and drops to 16, he's a value pick there. But but realistically. I love Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis to me, 
love him. He's tough. He, he he made 60 of 100 threes at 6'11". He's more skilled than people realize. I would love him at 16 if he's there. Love him. You know, there are other bigs that are going to be on the board at 16 or 23. Bryce Johnson, Carolina could go either spot, probably closer to 23. Steven Zimmerman is a seven-footer from UNLV um, who, who uh, you know, is, is, is skilled, plays hard. Uh, Damian Jones is kind of an enigma from Vandy, also a big guy, athletic, uh, almost seven feet. Um, those are the bigs that I would probably look at. Uh, Denzel Valentine is a name that could be in the mix, but you got to watch out for him. He's got some knee issues that a lot of NBA teams are scared off on right now. So, uh, you know, be careful of him. You know, there's some foreign guys, certainly, that I don't know enough about, to be honest. You know, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez is one. Certainly this kid Zizic uh, is a big kid. Um, You know, so they'll be in the mix, too. I would probably stay away from Shaq Diallo. Um, That's a a guy whose name has kind of come up a lot lately for the Celtics, it seems. Yeah, I I can't imagine they're going to take him. I'd be surprised. Deontay Davis is another one. You know, Deontay Davis and Scalabissier are two that'll be interesting because they could slide to 16. I don't know if they will. I think Davis is more likely. Uh, Michigan State freshman, very talented, quiet kid. Didn't, you know, do a ton for Michigan State this year, but everybody knows his his upside a couple years away. I would think if they keep all three, they're going to draft an international guy with one of them because you can't really add. Listen, the problem is you can't add all these young guys to a roster that's already fairly young, okay? Brad doesn't want three more young guys on this roster. So second round, they're not going to keep all the, those picks, right? They're going to probably you know, trade away one or two of them and then probably draft a couple guys that they can stash overseas, uh, a couple more international guys, or even an American you know, that they can stash overseas for a couple years. But I even think with those first three first-round picks, I just don't see a way that they're going to draft three guys and keep all three because that means they've got to keep them on the roster. And I just don't think they have room for three guys. Yeah, uh, and, and and then, oh, by the way, they got five more picks in the second round, too. So right. Like I said, though, they'll, they'll trade like two of those. Yeah. You know, th- my guess is they'll end up, if I had to guess, they'd end up drafting six of the eight picks. Five or really? six. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I bet you they end up keeping six of the eight, and out of those six, one or two are international guys. That would be my guess. So they'll end up picking, you know, Three, you know, four, four or five. Uh, might, yeah, I mean, listen, Austin Aid spends a lot of time overseas, a lot of time. He knows these guys better than a lot of of other high level executives. So again, I could see him going heavy international. Yeah, I, the I, I think you're right. It, it seems like there's a lot of a lot of strength there in that fifteen to. 40 area of those international players, which seems to lead well for the draft and stash method that, that they could do. Um, 
I just want to go back quickly on the Sabonis thing because that's the guy I've been sure. looking at at 16. I, not, I was convinced he wasn't going to be there just because you know, if you hit 60 out of 100 threes, that's the type of shooting that every league, every team in the league needs. Uh, he certainly knows how to rebound, and, and the passing gene from his dad did that did pass on. Um, watching quite a bit of Gonzaga this year, that's one I could stay up for. Um, Sabonis. Do you, what do you think about his athleticism and being able to fit into the NBA game, you know, kind of stretching out on those on those double T, you know, those uh, pick and roll situations? It, does he have the foot speed now, or is he going to need some work to get his body where he's quick enough with his foot speed to be able to defend out there in the perimeter? Yeah, no, he'll listen. The one thing he's got is he plays so darn hard. So sometimes that'll make up for a little bit of, of foot speed because he, he goes hard and he thinks the game well enough. So I think he'll be fine on that end. You know, do you want – again, I mean, this is just a guy that, that really um, plays as hard on both ends as any big man I've seen in college basketball over the last 10 years. Wow. He goes that hard. Yeah, he does not wow. stop. He, he, does, he doesn't pace himself. He just goes. And, and again, he's capable of standing out there and, and making mid-range shots. He'll finish around the basket – um, he can pass it. He's not his dad passing, but he can pass it some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, he just gives you so much toughness and he can help you tomorrow. That's the other thing with Sabonis that you can't say about a lot of other guys. He can go out now. His upside may not be crazy, but like he could give you tomorrow 12 and seven, where in 10 years, he can also give you 12 and seven. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like he, yeah. he'd be a great rotation big, or even you put him at the four. You could put him at the four if you got four four other really good guys around him, and he'll just be a killer. Hmm. And they could certainly use a four or and a five right now. So that a tough I, four, it, yeah, yeah, a tough four. Like they got too many, like you know, Sully, Olenek, yeah. like. You know, the one thing that people are going to say with Sabonis is, all right, like Olenek, like they said about Olenek, short arms coming out yep. and not a great athlete. Well, Sabonis is a better athlete, much better athlete than, than Kelly. And, again, he gives you something that I, I don't know who else you have on the front line that's a killer like that. I mean, Jay Crowder, obviously. Right. But other right. than that, you've got a lot of kind of skilled fours or athletic, you know, Zeller who didn't play much. Uh, but but again, he's different than than what they have, and they need that position to have shooting range. Uh, yeah. You know, look at what happened to the club when Kelly Olynyk went down just around the All Star break. That was a that was detrimental. Not I'm not downgrading Crowder's absence or the injury that was lingering, but we knew that we knew he was heart and soul. Kelly Olynyk was role player. But a very uh, a very necessary role that he filled that they missed greatly when he was out. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, you want to have kind of different looks at at your at your four spot, right? I mean, you want to have a pick and pop four. You want to have a tough. I I think Sabonis can give you a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, what he's built on is toughness and and just going hard. But I think again, I think he's more than capable of stepping out and making shots. All right, Jeff, this interview has been awesome, and you ended it on a high note with John and I because 
we're both huge on Sabonis. Good. So uh, well. you you gave us you might have you might have knocked us around a little bit on our three <laughs> for the three, but but you you closed it nice. You left on a good note for John and I because and and to John's point, I think we both did think that that maybe Sabonis would go at least two or three picks before sixteen because it and he sounds might. like yeah workouts going well for him. I think. Uh, his stock is rising, but as players like Sabonis move up, other guys fall down. There's only so many picks ahead of 16 that can be made. So I also like some of these guys that you threw out there as potential value picks at 16 and 23. And let's face it, come draft night in a week and a half, all of this is going to be totally different. Anything can That's happen right. for the this year. Yeah, they might not have any picks going into draft night. Who knows with Danny, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he, could, he could trade all eight. <laughs> you might get Ray Allen. That's right. That's right. Hey, you never know. Listen, has anybody made two bigger draft day trades than Danny over the last decade? Good point. Yeah, I don't think so. That's, that's, that's a great that's very point. true. And I'm going to say that on uh, on the broadcast that night. I'm going to be in Boston this year instead of New York, and and that's exactly what I'm going to say. Is like, listen, this guy is is unafraid. He's unafraid, and he's made the two biggest draft day trades over the last 10 years. So why not do it again? Yep, I think it's likely, and I think we're all preparing for that. So, Jeff, thanks a lot for your time, man. Great interview. Probably, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, John. This might have been the best interview since our return this year after our our break. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that, guys. Anytime, and uh, if you need me after the draft, uh, you let me know, and we can uh, we can break it down. That would be great. All right, Jeff Goodman, everybody from ESPN. Jeff, thanks a lot for your time. Take care, guys. All right, Jeff Goodman, everybody from ESPN, and he's a local guy, John, which we love. You know, he watches the Celtics. You know, he grew up watching the Celtics. But there were some real interesting points. I mean, he really did take the TNT to our top three for the Celtics at number three. He went he went two names, one and two, that neither of us had. Yeah. And his number three was, I know there's something to it. I don't know what there is to it. I'm going to throw Bender into the mix. And only one of us had Bender. So of the six players that you and I either agreed or didn't agree upon when we picked. He only had one of them, and it was in the final seat of your top three. Yeah. So now now we're looking. He's saying, Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray. Yes, Murray's defense is a concern, but he thinks both of them will be very good players. But he's going Chris Dunn, Buddy Heald, and then Bender, which I understand why he's thinking – guard as well because hey why not and dunn isn't that old he's still not 20 so he's still a high upside younger player but healed is right in there and he doesn't think that the four years in college is necessarily going to hamper ultimate output although he doesn't see a number one or a number two in this draft really yeah not beyond the first two picks right and and i i think i think that's fair i think that there's there is a a gap there after one and two. The other thing I would say is is that it's kind of been Steve Kyler there 
of uh, Basketball Insiders, he was saying this morning that the Lakers haven't really locked in on a number two yet, and that's and just as similar, as, you know, which is the same situation as last year because last year at this time uh, they hadn't locked in on on uh, D'Angelo Russell at this point because um, at this point a year ago it was really all about and I mean all about uh, you know really working with uh, Okafor, so. I don't think, first of all, I mean, I think Jeff is concerned, considering it's a done deal that Ingram will be going to the Lakers. I'm not sure that, you know, some reporting seems to indicate the Lakers aren't quite sold yet, which doesn't mean they won't be, but they're just doing due diligence. I just think the the PR hit on that, especially after D'Angelo's troubles this year, might be more than they can handle, that they, that, that they may actually be manipulated by the circumstances to just fall in line with conventional wisdom because you really can't lose on a player like Ingram. The other thing I'll say with that, too, though, is if Ingram did fall to the Celtics, mm-hmm. do you think that all but guarantees a trade of that number three pick? Because you got to think there are other teams out there that at that point would be willing to throw some pretty good value with the Celtics. I don't know. I don't think it guarantees it, though. I, I, think, I think it really... I don't think it changes the calculus for the Celtics, and I don't think it it, it certainly increases the offers. But I, I'm not sure that the Celtics are more. I think they're they're trying their damnedest to deal that pick as it is. So you know what's you know what's one times one? It's still one. You know I still think that's the the goal here is to move the pick, but I think they they are going to be happier if they're unsuccessful. Uh, in getting Ingram because he does he checks a lot of boxes of things the Celtics need and he has upside and he can get a great deal better so it basically allows you to and get... he's put on a lot of weight too I mean he's shown Supposedly. a commitment to adding the pounds so if that's true if he could put another thirty pounds on over the next two or three years that would really benefit him I'm not I'm not going to fall into the lightweight player is a major downside trap because I don't think that's necessarily the case but every pro with the trainers and the nutritionists and everything that you get with a pro club he should be able to pack on weight even if it's exaggerated the reports about how much weight he's put in put on over the last year to to 18 months another thing I thought Goodman was interesting on and, and we didn't get into it because you and I are both really high on Marcus Smart but he did say, hey, move Marcus Martin 16, or hell, I'll even throw in 23 and get Nerlens from, from Philadelphia and then draft Dunn. I think that says a lot about how much Jeff thinks of Chris Dunn and what he can contribute. And he defined him, or he labeled him, as a new age point guard. Yeah, which I thought was a very interesting. Uh, you know, I don't think he's the shooter. To, to be a prototypical new age point guard that you you really need to have today, but at the same point, you know he's quick. He's he's got long long arms, which is something that you really need to have to be a, a great uh, great defender uh, in today's game. Um, he can dri- dribble and penetrate. He can distribute. Very different look than Marcus Smart. I don't think though that the that the, the value on that trade is in the right order. Uh, I think Smart. And 16 is way too much to give up for Nerlens Noel, personally. I think what we saw with the deal with uh, with Atlanta is is really good evidence of that. Um, that you know the rumored deal of sending Teague uh, to Philly 
for uh, what appeared to be Noel, Stauskas, uh, you know, really Philly throwing in a lot more to get a point guard who wasn't even to closing out, you know, to the point of closing out games for the Hawks at the end of uh, some of really important playoff games, even against the Celtics. So for me, I think it's not, if anything, it's, it's even up smart for Noel or smart for, for Okafor. I don't think you have to throw anything into the mix if you're the Celtics to get that deal done. They're the ones with the overabundance of big guys. Uh, I, I, I don't think... And we're the ones with the overabundance of point guards right. and, and combo guards, right. which is why it seems like such a natural fit you know, for it a does. trade that way. It does. No, I agree. I agree. I, there, there does seem to be some... some uh, but I, I think that's too much to give assets, though, And to his point... They can't make all these picks. They can certainly draft and stash. Other than the Spurs, I don't even know if draft and stash has had a a consistent impact in the NBA. The Spurs might be the exception to that, and maybe you can come up with a couple of other players. But I think because of the the abundance, if that's what it took, and you could balance out the roster, move Crowder to the four, sign Batum, like I liked the way that conversation blended out the roster because you might actually see the team stay young, develop talent, balance out the roster, and still be able to tack on some wins next year. Batum, again, I'm not high on a max contract, but bringing in Batum for a reasonable contract, and I think that's a possibility for the Celtics. Could be somebody's going to overpay, and, and you don't wind up getting a guy like that. But I think there is a way to balance out this roster. The other thing he said, you know how high I am on Brown. I hadn't heard this. I hadn't read this. It does concern me the quote about him having a lot of different interests and is he going to eat, breathe, and just love basketball the way some of the other guys. I'm not as concerned about the shooting. Obviously, if I was, he wouldn't be my number one pick. But I am a, I, I like the work ethic. We've heard about that. I like his intelligence. I like high IQ. I think high IQ players are going to respond to Brad Stevens well. But you do have to be all in. Yep. to be able to perform and hang around in this league. And I'm not going to move off my stance, but that's definitely a scary question mark for me. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. That that may be cool. I mean, even though I, as I, Brown isn't in my top three, I don't feel – I don't – I'm not – disliking him in any way. But I think Brad Stevens, like we were talking about the Brad, the Butler guys, uh, and and uh, I think that was probably after we hung up uh, on the show with him, but, you know, the Butler guys and, and all the players that he's done well with, Jay Crowder, Isaiah, Smart, Bradley, they love basketball. They love the game. Like it is eat, sleep, drink basketball. And if your varied interests are out there, how well does that mesh with what Brad Stevens has shown to be his model for success? I think he, I think he can be successful with a lot of players. I think it's fine as long as the priorities are in the right exactly. order. These guys do have distractions. Look at Okafor. You know, one of his favorite distractions is drinking. Yeah. Uh, so let's just be real about that. It could be that Brown's interests are very healthy and maybe more healthy than a lot of other players. Um, and in that vein... 
it may not be that big of a concern. However, if the priorities are out of order, yeah. it doesn't matter how smart you are. If you're spending your time trying to figure out how you're going to run you know, your new business because you own three companies as an NBA player, and they're your priority over playing basketball, and basketball is just a way of funneling funds into other business opportunities, well, then that's obviously a concern. If basketball is number one, and those things are all things that thrive as a result of the fact that you have money to invest in them, you have free time on the plane. Like You can't study basketball every minute you're awake. Everybody in their professional careers knows you have to have a balanced lifestyle or you'll burn out, and that has happened to, to players. Players have burned out in the NBA by overdoing it. You need to be a well-rounded individual. I think Brad supports that, um, but in that, in that conversation, I think we have to come back to Sabonis because yes. you're talking about a player that really fits this mold. He said he has one of the highest motors that he's seen in the forward position of anyone over the last 10 years. And obviously Jeff follows college basketball very closely. That's a big plus. Regardless of the questions that you have about maybe athleticism and does it translate – Two things came out of that that supported our love for Sabonis. One, 60 out of 100 three-pointers at one workout. That's pretty strong for a power forward in the NBA. And secondly, this high-motor conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I'm more. I'm even more sold on him now. <laughs> you know, the, especially the 60 out of 100 threes thing. Because that, to me, is, I mean, yes, no one's guarding him. So, you know, but... The point is, is that he's working on that aspect of his game. He really wasn't much more than a 15, 18 foot jump shooter. You know, he wasn't shooting the college three a lot. So to be able to to go to the next step now and and translate that into already working on an, an NBA three, that's that. I mean, that's really he's not a he's not a big shot blocker. He's not going to be you know owning the paint. But I think I, I'm going to get killed for this. But the guy that I look at. <laughs> is Marcus All. I think Marcus All, his passing, his intelligence, his motor now, and then you add to that the, a three point shot. I'm not sure he's going to be the defender that Marcus All was, but it, I think that. No, I, I don't think he can be because the thing with Gasol was all the added weight. And Gasol got in shape and then got the kind of length and, and quickness, lateral quickness, to be that defender. I don't think Sabonis's issue is weight the way that Marcus Gasol's was. However, a lot of the comparables that you're putting out there are there. It might be maybe not the same shot blocker, but deeper range. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, you, you, you're able to defend and, and positionally become the defender that you need to be. I mean, you don't need to be the shot blocker to be the, the best center in the, in the league or to be defensive player of the year. You just really need to be a complete package of a player. And that's Gasol was able to do that. And, of course, he had great defenders around him. But, I, I, you know, I, I'm almost at this point, I'm almost thinking you, you trade up for him. I mean, package some of these picks, take 23, get 16, and go up to the, the low lottery and get this guy. Because I really... I'm I'm really thinking with the depth of this draft, John, you might be on to something. Sixteen and twenty three may be more valuable to a team right. than twelve to fifteen, wherever they need to land. Yeah. Just because they say, you know, I think what was the range? Range was like thirty picks, fifteen to forty five, yeah. I think is what I read. Yeah. That they 
felt like the separation and talent really wasn't there. So maybe a team is like, well, you, we're not going to get high payout for being this high up in the lottery. So unless a team like the Celtics has their eyes locked in on a specific player because they fit culture, they fit the way that the coach wants to play the game, they fit you know the energy, the, all of that. That might make a lot of sense for for a team to trade with the Celtics because we do have an abundance of picks. We can't make them all. Why not trade up and just get your guy? The other thing I want to say is draft and stash is definitely a high likelihood. I didn't know that about Austin Ainge, but Jeff said Austin spends a lot of time overseas. I think at least with some of those second-round picks, we can count on draft and stash scenarios. I don't know that we needed to be yep. told that Austin Ainge was overseas for us to know that that was a likelihood because it's almost a no-brainer that that's the scenario that we're looking at with eight picks in the draft. However, I like the fact that the team is going in that direction and that they're developing who is probably going to replace his father with this organization based on this extension, the success that they've had, the familiarity. You have to think that Austin's eventually going to succeed his father with the organization unless that time doesn't come quickly enough. Uh, Other than that, though, it's nice to know that he's over there. Maybe they'll hit on some of these overseas picks. The final thing I want to get to before we close the show, Isaiah Thomas Goodman saying, he said, I'm going to get blasted for this. We might as well close the show and and give our opinions. Mm -hmm. But he said, really, he's a good number four guy in this league on a championship caliber team. He said, maybe number three. I've always thought three. I definitely did not think one, two. I don't know that I drop him to four. Where do you stand on that? Well, yeah, I mean, after he said that, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's completely ridiculous, actually, because you look at look at the teams playing right now, right? You got even looking at Cleveland, looking at uh, the Warriors, look at uh, you know, if you want to go back, you know, two years ago, the Spurs and and the Heat. I mean, I think you look at all those teams. Is Isaiah better than the third best player? Is he better than Bosch? Is he better than? Three years ago, is he better than Parker? Is he better than uh, you know? In this in this you know finals, is he better than Draymond Green? Is he better than uh, Kevin Love? Well, I guess there's some debate about that right now. But I there's think a strong debate about that. Yeah, right I mean, but I think you could argue if Kevin Love was somewhere else, he wouldn't be. He would be more valuable if he was here. He'd be the best player on the roster, not not Isaiah Thomas. Um, yeah, but and the defense is the concern for Brad in that scenario. I think that's what is, has me but that has me pause on, on Kevin Love, even even though I think some team is going to take a risk and get a high reward if Cleveland decides to move on. Yeah, I I think he's I think Kevin Love is in a is in a bad situation that is not no one is doing their you know, you, you do your best to, to take away all the issues that you have as a team and, and the coach is trying to hide all the weaknesses. And I think there are other other pieces of the puzzle there that they're trying to hide and, and they're just they're just trying to gamble with what they they only they can only hide so many things and for whatever reason, love hasn't been the top one that they're doing. I have a whole lot more faith in someone like Brad Stevens to get the most out of Kevin Love than I do the current situation with the players and and the coaching, which not to Tylo's you know credit, but he's never been a head coach anywhere. Uh, I don't think that they're getting the most out of that situation. I think if Kevin Love, for example, was traded here for a bag of basketballs, he would be the best player on this roster, and he'd be an all star. 
and they'd be a better team. And Isaiah Thomas would be a better point guard for doing it, but he, he may not have the production. I don't think we can suffer the lack of defense. And I know Thomas did a nice job this year, but you can't suffer the defense at point guard and power forward like that. They would have to, they'd have to move on from Isaiah Thomas to be able to have Kevin Love be in the starting lineup. You just as great as Brad is, I, you just can't have two subpar defenders at two critical positions. Is my opinion. I but, don't. Think, I don't think you'd have as much of a drop as you would think compared to what we had from front, at least if you're comparing this year's Celtics team to a, a alternate universe Celtics team where Kevin Love uh, is on the team. I don't think you're suffering all that much with big men like Sully. Olenek, Zeller, um, you know, Amir Johnson. Well, you know what, I, I will think, say I don't this. think they're taking as much of a dip as, as one might think. Maybe if you have a shot blocker like Noel in at the five, then it's not as much of an issue. But based on how this roster is constructed, it could be very difficult. But that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Boy, was this one power-packed and awesome, awesome guest and Jeff Goodman from ESPN. We're getting real close to the draft. John and I are getting heated. That Kevin Love debate has not gone away for good. I can guarantee you that. This broadcast is going to be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as on CLNSRadio.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin or follow John at CSL underscore Duke. A big thanks to everybody who's listening to the show. You can support the show just a reminder by subscribing to celtic stuff live on itunes and stitcher we love to get ratings and reviews because your feedback helps us make the show better and also another reminder another way to support the show is to support our sponsor brought to you by loot crate they have a great deal for all of you listeners and most importantly you would be supporting the clns radio network and john and i putting together celtic stuff live every single week so go to loot crate.com use the promo code clns to save three dollars on your subscription and a huge thanks to all of the loyal clns radio audience that makes it worthwhile every week for writer eddie santiago program director larry h russell and the founder of clns radio nick gelso my co-host john duke i'm justin poolin thank you for listening to this week's edition of celtic stuff live celtic stuff live